Coming from the Caveman Studios in Buffalo, New York. Welcome to Caveman Corner with your host, Jeff. Captain Caveman! Thanks. Click subscribe and the bell. Do it now! I'm here with a list of ass class. Sorry, I'm still eating. Um, G.I. Jane is what they call it, Jim. Um, you've been all over the mixed martial arts world. You've been fighting for like as long as probably most of our fans have been alive. Um, it's oh, exciting wow. to have you on the show. <laughs> I've wanted to have you on for a long time. Um, never really seemed to be the right time. And sometimes like fate just tells you now's the right time. Let's do it. So I got you on and thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Anytime. Sorry to make y'all's guy y'all's night extra long because I know you just got off that big uh trail of interviews. So yeah, we uh we roll deep. We're trying to make it big. Um I'm excited to have you. I I have so much respect for you. Um you came to my gym. Um we trained together first at WNY and I met you there and I never was able to really help you the way that I thought you needed to be helped because I was still fighting at the time, like really thought that you just needed just a little bit of tuning up on some of the finer details of your fighting and just a little bit of a better mental approach and i really thought you should not eat vegan and we've been working on all three of those things and um we're looking to get you a fight soon and hopefully we can get you matched up uh and uh as soon as you can start training again absolutely so you're G.I. Jane. Can you tell me a little bit about the background that got you that nickname? So I was in the Army for 13 and a half years, and I've never seen the movie, but I'm told that she like attended a survival school, and I actually, oddly enough, taught at the survival school. So, um, But I just I had a shaved head and uh looked like i had daddy issues so everybody thought like that was just a common like that was the the logical connection and i was always told never ever give yourself a fight name um so i didn't i was going into i believe it was my second fight and it was like a newspaper article that got put up put out just like a small time thing and the the promoter he really liked my military service and so he highlighted that and he actually like referred to me as gi jane and then it just kind of stuck after that so I honestly didn't know your real name for a pretty long time. And every now and then when I get excited, I forget what your real name is. Like in my head, you're G.I. Jane. So uh, I appreciate that. You were a, a drill sergeant, correct? Yes. Is that why you take directions so well? Usually you should be yelling at people, right? Yeah, no. Um, I was just, I was really good at the soldier thing because I'm just good at like taking orders. So uh, <laughs> drill sergeant is just like the flip side to that. So, and I've got three kids. So it's like, I'm good at like giving commands. So <laughs> just all you're fit naturally. Like <laughs> Say again. I said, you sound like Ray's dream girl. An old lady with three kids? <laughs> no, no, no. Like someone takes orders and gives orders. Like just imagine him. He's always watching tentacle porn during these interviews. So like I just uh, just imagine like you look perfect for him. Caveman, <laughs> uh, not watching porn, caveman. So he closed uh, the tab you... out. Yeah, that's what he says now. Like even during the K four broadcast, like I always tuned on and like you like looking over to see who's watching, making sure he's not watching porn during the fights. <laughs> I'm gonna walk behind y'all's table now at the neck at these fights just to see. Yeah, just to see what's on Ray's phone, man. Like 
It's either that or drug deal. Those, those are the only two things we got going on. Fair enough. <laughs> so uh, can you talk about your experience with vegan and uh, how that went for you? Oof. Um, so I was introduced to that kind of a way of eating when I was actually around nine years old. My mom just, she read this book, Diet for a New America, and it was just like about the meat industry and a lot of things that were probably really genuinely not healthy, but then she kind of went overboard and she turned our whole family against meat. Um, and then I just kind of stuck with that. And this is going to sound so disgusting, and I can't believe I'm admitting this on the podcast, but the meal that I broke with, I was driving like a cross country and those golden arches called out to me and I broke my veganism after like 20 years of either vegan or vegetarian, no meat. It was with two 20 packs of chicken nuggets and a chicken Caesar salad. <laughs> and it was so glorious. <laughs> so, but now I, now I eat a very well-balanced diet. I do the meat, vegetable, I do everything, but I do just like whole natural foods and try to stay away from highly processed things. That's the only thing I do now. So. That sounds like a meal that Ray is in love with. Yeah. Actually, Michael T. Schultz. I don't know if you know Michael T. Schultz, the two-time uh, TNT champ and the king of Lockport. He, uh, he's all about McDonald's. So he would be very, uh, I don't know, I think he'd be in his glory to hear that story. So I'll chop that up and I'll send it to him. And oh, uh, I think he'll like that quite a bit. Um, so you have um, a battle with an uh, issue with drinking as well. And um, like, it's, it's hard to tell your story without going through like some of the bad times too. So um, can you uh, bring us into that part of your life? Yeah, no. And I, you know, I've done a lot of work. So now it's at a point where there's not really an emotional attachment to anything. So I'm, I'm okay to talk about anything without breaking down. But um, just, you know, I, I took my first shot of liquor when I was like, I think about nine years old. No, I know. I know for a fact I was nine years old. Um, and then 14 years old, I got into it. And then, you know, around about the time I was like 17, 18, um, off in the world, I got into it. And then um, joined the military, experienced trauma, like literally first week in Iraq, first deployment. And then like the gloves came off and then I went through a divorce and just basically I gave myself a bunch of reasons like why it was now okay for me to do it. And I just ran full force into it. And actually August 16th, um, coming up here shortly, I will be celebrating one year sober from alcohol. So, um, yeah, now I... It is just not something that I can have in my life. And I, I'm not saying that in a way that like demonizes alcohol itself. It's just for people like me, I can't ever, I can't ever drink. And that's just a fact. It's kind of like having an allergy. It's just something that I can't have in my body. So that's, um, I don't know. That's, that's, that's hard to, to talk about that. You, like most people that, um, recover from alcoholism like alcohol is terrible it's the devil you shouldn't do it and you're like yeah whatever it's just not for me um what about your personality that lets you do that so um i don't i guess you know i've i've made so many mistakes in my life i've learned to be just like less judgmental just in general um and then hopefully everything's okay with the ray <laughs> so. yeah right in and out, he was fine. He was putting the speaker on mute. Something's going. He probably had to go yell at his dog or his kid or choke his wife. One of those things. I don't know. 
Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, um, you know, not to, not to derail the conversation and make it biblical, but like even in the Bible, like people drink wine and it's like for celebratory purposes. And I know I've met people that I know that can drink and they have very healthy relationships and they don't go overboard. So for me to impose that on somebody else and be like, no, it's all bad. You should all stay away from it. Um, while I don't personally think there's anything really positive that's ever going to come from it. If somebody's able to enjoy it in a way that is like, beneficial or at least not detrimental to their life then you know hey i'm i'm all for it you know just if but if you have a problem then you just need to be very real about it so i uh, i haven't had too much experience with alcohol i think i've drank maybe like four or five times in my whole life and one was like when i retired and then one was new year's and then another one was new year's and then when i tried alcohol like the first time um I don't, I, I'm a pretty addictive personality, so I've always tried to uh, stay away from like drugs and alcohol because I know it's not, it's not something I can really play with because I, I have a tendency to go all in on everything I do. Uh, it's either all or nothing, you know, like you obviously know that like with the gym and with fighting and like, it's just not something I could do. Um, but I, I didn't find much enjoyment from it. Like anything that makes me feel bad the next day, I don't generally enjoy to do. Um, yeah. Well, and can I just say, like, people that have that kind of mindset, that's always something that I've, not in a negative way, but I've, I've actually always envied it. Like, wow, I wish, I wish I could be that way, you know? So mm -hmm. I think that's well, awesome. How does it work in your mind? Like, do, what, what made you, like, stuck to it? What does it feel like? Um, so when I do it, it was, it was not really about the enjoyment factor. Like even regardless of what the scenario was, whether I was alone in my room or I was out with a group of friends, my Oh, my intention was always, I want to get as numb as possible, as fast as possible. And that was always what it was always about. And I could have lied to myself and been like, you know, I'm going to just take, you know, one drink here, or um, I'm just going to do this um, for social reasons or just to have fun. But that was always a lie to mask the fact that I really did at the end of the day, I just wanted to get straight to that. And so I had a problem. Um, you know, I had other stuff that I needed to work on that I've since worked on. Um, but at that time, I just had a lot of stuff that was back there um, that I just wanted to escape from. And so that was like my quickest way to like, I, I, just need, I, I don't want to think about this stuff. And so I'd start drinking and then I'd start thinking about the stuff and then I'd drink even more so that I would forget about the stuff. So I'm, uh, I'm glad I don't have trauma that makes me do that, I guess. I'm not sure. I, uh, my escape is I, I either play video games or I punch people in the face. And, uh, punching people in the face usually seems to make my problems go away. Sometimes I choke them too, but I really like punching them better. Um, I always found, like even before, like I was picked on a lot as a kid. So before that, I enjoyed like lifting weights until I was able to beat people up. And now that I can beat people up, I enjoy that more. Um, I don't know, like I, I wish I, uh, it's so hard to understand how other people think. And like one of the things about uh, people with addictive personalities and that found the alcohol, I'm like so interested in because I feel like just like one different turn in my life that could be me oh yeah well and that's i think that's what makes you i'm not trying to make you uncomfortable when i say this but like everybody that's watching this they know you more you know odds are they know you and they've interacted with you and they know that you're genuinely a good person and i think that's what makes people good people is that they have that very real just knowing of like i could be just like you so i'm not going to judge you because i know if if i make the wrong decision i could literally be in your shoes i'm not going to make that decision but i know that so yeah and i know you were you were struggling for a while and i was trying to give you the wellness checks but you like you disappear you're a little bit flaky on social media at times that's not a offense but 
like it's, it's hard to get a hold of you and then I, I had the wrong number for a little bit and i was texting the wrong person and uh but uh i've always been trying to, to keep in touch and i really don't know like the best way to help someone that's struggling with uh this kind of problem uh, the, the best thing that and it's not going to work for everybody obviously but my thing is um just letting them know that you're there kind of a thing um some people unfortunately they just they have to get to whatever their rock bottom is and so when they get to that rock bottom it's one of two things either they know that they can reach out and they finally are like okay i have no choice or they think they have nobody and that's usually when they make a very permanent decision to a very temporary problem at that point so i think that's the biggest thing that anybody anybody can do including you that's trying to support somebody like that is just that constant like knowing because nobody could have pulled me out during those times i was in like a very dark relationship with like some domestic stuff and like i was just i was in this like spiral and i and i didn't want anybody to pull me out and i knew that you were this purely positive point of light so honestly some of our interactions pushed me away because i was like i know that he's a good person and i don't want him to see me like this so i'm gonna run uh, the other direction trust me i've seen uh people in really dark places like that's in the sport that we're in where people get changed forever like you go on occasion like you're not you're not the same when you come out like as when you start like i'm a totally different person than when i started fighting like like even the train like you're different like things change in you from getting taking punishment and uh i believe like that's the same thing that you go through when you're doing drugs and alcohol like like things in you change and uh like i always want to be there for people i know this is something that i've run into quite a bit in coaching uh especially fighters like let's face it there's something wrong with us that most people want to fight there's there's a few athletes that are doing it for money that maybe don't have too many problems but most people that fight are, are fighting for something or they're fighting against something and i everyone that fights is, is fighting something and uh my uh my muay thai instructor mark shaw said something that's always stuck with me forever he's like uh everyone's fighting something different but everyone's got to fight and uh you know don't judge people for trying to fight and like that's always stuck with me so i've always tried to help people accomplish their goals in fighting and i, I always think that i'm like this is someone that's fighting for for something something inside of them that they're they need to to beat or they need to accomplish and like I know what it feels like to win, and I know how well, that that can change you. And I know how losing feels too, and sometimes losing is not that bad when you give everything you got, and you just know that that person's a better person. And you're like, man, like I just couldn't beat that guy no matter what, and I, I better get better, or I'm just not gonna ever make it, you know. And both those things are like I think positive things, and uh, I always try to support everybody, and like I, I saw that in you like right off the bat. Like I saw that you needed help, and just the way you say yes, sir, and you do anything, and like you're getting beat on, you're like yes, sir. Like while people are punching you instead of like paying attention to what's going on and like just quitting, um, I'm I'm glad that we're able to connect and that you're helping at the gym, and I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you like a lot more than I'm going to say on here because I don't want to make you feel weird, but I, I genuinely appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, don't make me feel weird. I'm uh, I already feel weird just like being all emotional and stuff. Um, <laughs> Uh, but the point I was getting to is, uh, like I run into this a lot and I'm, I'm struggling with ways to, to help people like you. Like, I don't know, like be positive, be tough, like be myself. Like what, what's the best way to like, let someone know that you're there. And I know you can't help people. Like they need to hit bottom, like you said, like rock bottom. And, but I want them to know that like they can reach out if they need it. 
Um, one thing that you've always done that I, I've genuinely liked about you is, uh, you've never, you've never lied to me. You've never. And I think that that's one of the most poisonous things you can do to somebody is lie to them. <laughs> it's like, you know, um, I don't know. It, it will, it will never help them. So th you've always really been honest with me. And, uh, even in training, like you'll, you'll, you're, you're, and you, you'll say things like in a funny way, but it's like very, like you're to the point. And that's why people, because they know that when you give them a compliment, it's genuine. It's not all this fluff and these flowery words. So like, sometimes people need to hear, Hey, like you're messing up. And so that's, I think that's a crucial aspect to like really not only getting to people, but like, I don't know, getting your hooks in them is just that honesty. Cause they know they can always come to you, but it's that gentle honesty of like, you're messing up, but I'm here. I got your back, man. I can help you out of this. And you've always had that energy. Except for like, Hey, you're doing it really wrong. I'm not going to say any names. Uh, Adam, like <laughs> I do that, that kind of stuff all the time. That's not very gentle. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. <laughs> it is funny. I, I, I try and be funny at least. Uh, I don't know. Um, so what about people you don't know? Because I, uh, we, we struggle, like people struggle with addiction all the time. And I've sent people your way already since uh, you've been back at the gym. Like people that have like reached out to me that, you know, like I can't work with you. I need you to, to talk with another female, you know, and um, mm -hmm. I appreciate having the ability to do that. And, um, what I like, so I struggle with this with, with guys too. So like, I, I'm not going to say names, but I used to train with a couple of people uh, in the old days when I was still really fighting that I knew like had some real substance abuse problems and um, don't know, like, like, should you talk to someone about it or is it just going to turn them away? Um, Like if, if, if they're wanting to talk to you about their issues or... If you see it and it's like really affecting them, especially like, so for me, I was like, man, you're representing my team. You're going to suck because you're, you know, like you're coming in and you're all fucked up all the time. And like, your, yeah. your training's not good. Like, I mean, like I, I will say that all the time. Like, man, you need to like get on your shit. But like, I've never like, I, like it's, it's hard. And now that I'm a coach, I can't be like, Hey, get on your shit. You know, like it's different. Yeah. Um, I, th I think with certain people, I mean, you know, unless they've got a certain level of commitment to the gym, it's really hard to navigate that. But if somebody's genuinely, they have to have skin in the game, honestly. So like you've sent me, and this is not a way to put anybody on blast, but you've, you've sent some females my way. Um, and it's like, it's basically, it's come to a dead end. The conversations come to a dead end because they didn't really have any, any skin in the game. It was, they, you know, for whatever reason, they wanted to only work with you. Um, sometimes females have some, some twisted things that they need to work out and working with a male can kind of bring out some ulterior motives in them. I don't know. I'm not really trying to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I think that it's very appropriate if you know, somebody's at a certain level of like, Hey, you need to get this taken care of to maybe have a list of resources, but then tell them like, you absolutely need to do this first. It's putting the cart before the horse. Everybody wants to come in and be the spectacular fighter. Or they want to do this. They want to get the glory. They want to get their hand raised, but they don't want to put the work in that comes up to it or that leads up to it. So, um, 
and that's, I mean, that's true for the sobriety, you know, um, everybody, I don't know, it's, I'm kind of going off in a million directions because I'm thinking of all these different scenarios and things that I want to like talk about. But that's, that's the biggest thing I can say is I don't think there's anything wrong with putting some onus back on them because that's also going to be good for them. If, um, it, it'll make them feel like a sense of like accomplishment, like, okay, I did this. I went and I, I went to my first AA meeting or I did this. Um, and you can, and I'm, I'm always here if you ever like, Hey, this person has a problem with this and I have nowhere to like send them and um there's tons of resources this area is so rich especially with like substance abuse there's a lot of support in this area so there's no reason that anybody should be suffering in silence uh i like that and that's uh that's important that we we do that and uh man i really i don't know i'm getting old and soft or something but now that i i got a gym and i feel like i want to give back more and more to the community uh we did the the fundraiser uh for the veterans i had you guys um pick because like honestly i would just pick something that's going to give me a good tax benefit and i wouldn't really like do too much research into it i want to give back and i want to give back and name and like and look real good like that's that's part of it like i'm not gonna lie like i want the gym to look good and i want to sell like oh we're helping all these military people but i do really want to help people too so i re reached out to all you guys that actually served in the military and like hey what do you guys think is a good charity because i don't want the money just to go to somebody and uh to be honest the person the people we give it to i don't even know like i don't even know if it's tax deductible like i didn't even really look into it and uh that's why i did it in the first place and then like i didn't really do the due diligence to uh to research but like they have a tax id number i i guess i'll try i don't really know but i wanted to make sure that we gave back to, to someone that cared and then um i don't know if i told you or not but um the the warriors next adventure guy reached out to me and like we talked for I don't know, a good couple hours uh, when I was cooking steaks the one night. And then uh, he's going to end up coming in and doing like a little summer. He does jujitsu too. So he's going to end up coming in and doing a little summer next time they're up in Buffalo uh, for us because we raised uh, $1,200. And um, right yeah, it was um, like, I thought it was a cool thing, you know, like, and like, I want to do that every year. Every year we're going to pick a different charity and uh, we're going to do the same thing for uh, Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving, Dr. Kroll has a charity, uh, Feed More. And I know they do a lot of work in Western New York, and they're very local. So uh, yeah, well, they're amazing for for uh, for Thanksgiving. <laughs> but I appreciate right you being part of that. And next time, I'm gonna make you uh, like carry the torch and uh, do a little bit more work for me. Uh, all right, you that, got it. <laughs> I was really hoping I'd just take this to you, and you'd be like, "All right, we're gonna do this charity. Uh, these are the people I work with. Let's get the money here. All these people are gonna help out." And they're like, no, nah, let's, uh, let's, let's take it to a poll. And, uh, all right. And then we did it. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And, and for anybody that's, that's watching this, if you're ever interested in giving, there's amazing websites out there. Candid is one of them. Um, like caveman spoke about doing the due diligence and it, it'll tell you like a lot of information and there are some amazing sounding organizations, even here in Western New York. Um, you just got to look and see where there's money, where their money's going. So I think, I think you guys chose a phenomenal one to give, give it to. So I hope everything works out, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they like help people, they buy them tools and stuff too, to help them like get back into real life and then give people jujitsu scholarships. That's what really turned me on. I was like, Oh man, they do jujitsu. Let's go there. Like that's, that's pretty easy to sell me on jujitsu. So um, <laughs> it is what it is. That's really easy for me to lose my due diligence. But uh, Alex knew the guy. So uh, it it worked out all right, and I'm glad you and Elfrey went along with it. And Jared, Jared just does whatever he doesn't care. He's like, oh, let's just help people. Uh, as soon as he gets in my air conditioner, I'll love him again. 
Um, <laughs> how was the military life for you? Was it difficult for you to leave the service? Uh, it actually was, um, and, and not for the reasons that I thought it would be difficult. Like you definitely, so I was in for 13 and a half years active duty. So like that was my life. And not only that, my last three years, um, that was actually at the survival school that I was talking about earlier and the, where I was operating, I was like over like for all intents and purposes, I was like the seer mama. I was like over the whole school. So I would receive them on day one, do their shakedown. And then I would be the one handing them their certificate. So I'm with them throughout the whole school. So like day, night, I have to be available. So the job becomes your life. And it's, and it's okay because you kind of like, I don't know, you, you get into this work mode and you switch real life off and it's just like, okay, all, all I got to do is like the mission, go, go, go. And in a, in a lot of ways, it's actually easier. Um, and so when I left that, it was hard at first because I left that and I left the discipline and waking up and like my daily routine. It, it had so much less structure, but then like right away I started hitting a wall in civilian life because like I was now with people who didn't have the same experiences and with uh, people that I was very judgmental at that time. So it wasn't a them issue. It was totally me. Like I was like, well, you don't know what the real world's like and you're complaining over this. And like, there's people that are dying, but you know, so I just, I was totally um, unfair to the people around me. And that caused me a lot of like division. And I just felt very disconnected and separated from society as a whole. And then what really surprised me is the biggest reason why I struggled was my ego. Like I, that sounds I, so, like I know you, and it sounds funny for me to hear you say this. Like you, <laughs> you don't have much of an ego, and like in the room for sure. Oh well, and I've you know I've since I've learned how to dial it back, and just literally in every aspect of my life, take the beginner's mindset approach. Like it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter if I'm like I walked into a boxing class the other day, and I was literally like I've it was like a veteran cardio session. And I, I was just like, okay, I'm taking all commands from the tower. You teach me as if I've never been here before. Kind of, and like, I do that with everything now, but that's only because I didn't do that before. I was very egotistical and like high. And like, I had worked myself into a position in the military where I had a really good reputation. I had a lot of great stories from being a drill sergeant, from being in the survival school. I had like a really good name. And so then I get out in the real world and they're like, I don't care who you are. <laughs> like, Get out of my way. You're in my way. And I'm trying to grab for a bag of Doritos in tops. You know, I just, it was very much like, you know, I, I just, I felt like I needed to get more respect for, I don't know. It was just this very, but that was the biggest. And it took me a long time to realize that, but that was the bit thing that I struggled with the most was not having that, um, like that, that validation that was outside of myself. Like for some reason I needed that uniform. I needed like the rank. I needed the position. I needed all this stuff to make me feel like, like I was good enough in a way. And I didn't feel good enough, like in my own skin. And that's what I struggled with the most. But so that was pretty much it. That sounds like you did. <laughs> sounds like you didn't get too far from where you started from. Yeah. Yeah. You walk around. I wear my black belt and start got my weight. <laughs> oh you know like life just has a way of humbling you so. uh like you, you talk about that struggle and like that's a real struggle and like everything we do like with anything with a hierarchy like where like where you can move up in the ranks like you know like so like when i was a white belt it was like different like and i'm a black belt and i feel like ah whatever people 
he'll give me respect. Like I'm like, ah, I don't use it to warm up. Like I'm, uh, I'm the coach. Like those things hit you. And I, I had one of those moments today, and I uh, decided like when I do the tournament, I'm, like, I'm gonna take my own advice. I'm gonna do what I say I'm gonna do. I'm going to like really train for it. I'm not just gonna like go out there and do it. Like to me, it's always like, ah, it's just a tournament. Who cares? You know, because it's not like a fight. Once you fight, you're like, man, I could die in there. Like when you go to a tournament, you're like, oh man, I might lose. Like maybe he might get two points on me. He might sweep me. Oh boy. You know, yeah. like it's, it's hard to get excited, but like if I want the students to be as dedicated as I want them to be, like I have to leave from front. So I have to like really train for it and train for that rule set, not do what I want to do and like train to like be a fighter that I'm not fighting. So like I should train for what I'm doing, you know, like. Uh, I had to talk with Keith like that, and it really, uh, Keith Front, the guy that runs K4, and, uh, oh, Jared said hello. Uh, Amanda said hello earlier, too. Um, that, uh, like, like it really kind of woke me up. I'm like, man, I am, I'm doing, like, I'm just like, oh, go out and do your best. But what is your best? Your best is, like, train yourself to be the very best you can be for the rule set you can compete in. Like, that's what you should do. Like, don't be the black belt and just go do it because you think you're good. Like, not really that good, you know, like. I like that. Like it's another just reinforcement. It's like, uh, like signs from God, you know, like, yeah, train our. Yeah. Well, and I've, I've personally, you know, I've been across a good portion of the nation and I've trained with a lot of gyms, a lot of fighters. And I like, that's one thing I think that kind of kills a lot of gyms is that the leadership at the top, they just get this very arrogant. And it's like, you know, we've got, you know, we've got all these championship fighters or we got this and the coaches themselves stop learning and evolving and growing. And you, you don't do that. You continue to like work on yourself and like get, you know, and so you just constantly have this like expansion mindset. Whereas a lot of people, like they just kind of top out and they're just like, I don't know. They're, they just, they, they have this very self uh, importance, like you know, a high level of, um, you know, like, well, nobody should question me. And this is, I just, I know it all and I've learned it all and I've seen it all and there's nothing you can teach me. So um, that I, killed uh, a lot of gyms. I get that in life, but um, if you ask my wife, for sure, I have that in life. But uh, <laughs> like, um, I, I'm not good enough to be able to do that. I feel like that really, like when I teach, I'm like, man, I should really like be better. Like, you know, know everything, you know, I, I feel that every day in, in the gym, like you feel that as an instructor, like, a lot of pressure on you because everything you teach is what your students are going to do so if you suck they're going to suck so i feel a lot of pressure to make sure that everyone's good you know and like do my very best to make everyone be good and uh that's why i, I like i care about everybody because i know that the weakest link is really the weakest link it's not like the weakest competitor it's the weakest person in your gym so like everyone matters and you need to like tear, take care of everyone from like uh like Derek, our pro fighter, to like um, I don't know, like um, Mick, like the the guy that comes off the street that needs a friend, and now all of a sudden, like he's training, you know, like everyone matters. I dig that. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to have you on the podcast a long time to ask this question because I really want to ask it, and I wanted to ask this before it was like a big deal in society, but. What was it like to fight Fallon Fox? For everyone that doesn't know, Fallon Fox is a man that identified as a woman and fought MMA. And uh, he he beat up a bunch of um, women until he was finally stopped by a woman that made it in UFC. But uh, like I think it's 
completely unfair uh, in a combat sport. And like, I don't, I don't really care what people do in their life. Like, whatever you want to identify with, that's fine with me. But like, you have a responsibility to. There's a responsibility to fair play. Like, you can't decide like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a woman now, and I want to win a sport. Like, you have a, you have the ability to be decide like, I want to be a woman now, right? Like, I don't disagree with that, but you don't have the opportunity to become like, I want to be great in that sport. I want to be good at something. And like, you don't get that right. That's, that's something that you have to earn and still in a metal league or whatever, like, or maybe make a separate league. I don't know. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this, but I want to like complete my thought first because fighting is different than pretty much. It's not that different than football or something, but like, it's a lot different than swimming or basketball or tennis. When you're fighting, you can die in there. And uh, like some people got really hurt fighting Phelan Fox. And um, I know it had a detrimental effect on your career and you as a person too. And I want you to talk about that part as well. But people don't understand, like there's differences between men and women. If you take a 125 pound UFC fighter girl and you take a good high level amateur 125 pound male, I almost guarantee you, unless that girl is like Shevchenko, um, that that guy is going to beat her. There's huge physical advantages in the sport and explosiveness and the ability to generate power and the ability to take damage because our bodies are built differently. Absolutely. And, um, I, man, I'm, I'm, I know Joe Rogan has been talking about this a lot, but ever since I found out that you fought Panel Fox, like I felt this for a really long time. And I've, I've never got the opportunity to say this uh, like live on air, so I wanted to do it now. And then I want you to tell your story for like everyone that's watching, everyone that will watch, because uh, now that we said all this stuff, I'm sure it's going to uh, get some traffic. So let's make sure that we uh, we do a good job and represent our, ourselves well, and we speak clearly and make sure that we're uh, expressing our opinions and we're doing it respectfully. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I took that fight. It was going to be my last fight before I went to Iraq and um, had no idea. And um, I, I will say this in case it does go anywhere. There was one time when I was interviewed and I thought that the promoter himself knew that Fallon was, um, you know, a man and our previously a man, however you want to say or whatever's politically correct at this time. Um, and I, I don't, his name was Clay Goodman. And I, I genuinely don't believe that he ever knew. And I think he's a, he was a truly good man. So um, I just wanted to put that out there because I apologize. I, I think that hurt his feelings when I had said that in an interview, um, just an ignorant statement, but I went into the fight and Fallon was hands down. And like, I'm a pretty beefy female. Um, I'm usually regardless of if I'm like outclassed out technique, like uh, strength wise, I'm pretty strong. And Fallon was hands down the fastest, strongest person I have ever faced. And, um, you know, thankfully, uh, uh, you know, I was tapped with an arm bar, but like I had passed out at that time. So they, they, they almost didn't call it in time. And like, I almost got my arm broken. Um, but you know, I get up in the stage and, um, you know, I, I give Fallon a salute and then Fallon like hugs me. And I find out later, <laughs> it was like, 
so so anyways so i lose the fight and then i'm kind of like oh man like i feel just so bad and it felt like such a one-sided fight that that i then took a fight that i shouldn't have taken a fight and this is not a slight against the next promotion or the next fighter because at that point at that time it was like you just get a fight whenever you can get it but like my my next opponent outweighed me by 27 pounds should have never been a legal fight but i was desperate to get like a win before I went to Iraq in case anything happened or no, that one was Afghanistan. So anyways, year goes by and I get a, a phone call from a buddy of mine. She um, was a fighter. I don't think she's fighting anymore, but her name's Gina Begley down in Kentucky. And she was also an MMA reporter um, for, I think it was like M bluegrass underground MMA, something like that, something to that effect. And she's like, so um, so how do you feel about Fallon? And so she just, she asked me in a way that was like, I didn't know what she was getting at at first. And then she's like, okay. She's like, so it just came out that Fallon was actually a man. Not only, <laughs> and I know people say, well, you know, the hormones change and everything, but I want to say this clearly. It's my understanding that Fallon lived inside of a male's body for at least 32 years, served in the Navy, was like a high school wrestler, <laughs> you know? So there was a lot to like this male body before any kind of transition, uh, before they went to Thailand and got everything shaved off and, you know, cut off. So, um, so that that was a very that was a man's body that I was facing in that cage, um, regardless of how pretty it looked in a bikini at the time, like it was a man's body. And so I, I felt very I was very upset at that time because I was like, nobody told me nobody gave me um, the ability to say yes or no to this. And um, if I had given if they had just that, that was my whole whole thing was like, you can do whatever you want. Um, you can fight, but your opponent has to agree to what they're stepping into. And unknowingly, I stepped into this and I, I know myself and as strong as I am as a female and as much as I like believe in my abilities, I have a very real understanding of the human body. And I know without a, sh a shadow of a doubt that like there are a lot of things that men are just better at than females are, especially like at a similar weight. There's no way I'm ever going to. Yeah, big shock. Like there's differences in our bodies. I know. <laughs> so. Um, so. Oh, there was something I was going to say after that, but, um, yeah, so it just, I don't know. It, it just kind of took on this weird, it was like, you know, if I was saying that I shouldn't have fought Fallon, then, you know, I was, I was being hateful. And if, you know, I, I was never going to support it. Cause I'm not going to lie. I don't believe that it's the right thing. And I'm going to say this without trying to discredit Ashley Evan Smith in any kind of way, but I know who her manager was around that time. His name was Brett Ashley. And he was a very unsavory character. He was a gross man. And I know for a fact, because he had a little too much to drink, they threw that fight because there was too much heat mounting up against Fallon. So Fallon, her first amateur fight, she, she jacked the, the, the chick's arm, but arm up pretty bad. I was her third amateur fight. She then flipped straight to pro. She cracked Tamika Brents, which anybody who knows boom, boom Brents knows this is a beefy, beefy female Tamika boom, boom Brents, like cracked her skull. And at that point, everybody was like, man like get fallon out of the sport so then that next fight she was like in a tournament um and then so she got all the way up to the top and then um and then she lost to ashley evan smith but it was only it was about the long game at that point they wanted to keep fallon in mma and so they thought if they lost that fight then it could prove it could prove well she you know it's it's more level than you guys are trying to say it's not so one-sided because she hasn't blown through every opponent a woman actually got the best of her this one time 
it wasn't a legit win. Um, I mean, it's a win on the books for Ashley Evan Smith. Like I said, not speaking bad about her. I think she's a nice, nice woman. She's an awesome fighter. Um, but Fallon would have destroyed her if Fallon was fighting Fallon's game that night. And she just wasn't. She, it was strategic. So. I never heard that before. I'm glad that I had you on. Like, so uh, obviously I don't have like millions of people like Joe Rogan does, but uh, they talk about that quite a bit. And they always say, oh yeah, like, she finally got stopped by a, by a woman, and like, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that to light. I never really, I never knew that. So that's what happens when you uh, put a couple of drinks in somebody who's a pretty sleazy guy. He'll let you know all the secrets behind the scenes. So. Yeah, like, man, I I don't know if they can even say that on air, like on a Rogan podcast, because they have like so many followers and stuff. And who knows what they can really say and not really say and be canceled. You know, like, you know, obviously we don't know everything about everyone, so. Yeah, uh, and, I, and you I, can't I, say I, that without discrediting Ashley Evans. Like, there's no way to say that without taking a victory from Ashley Evans Smith yeah, and like exactly. making her to be inferior. There's. Mm -hmm. I had like I had a whole bunch of follow-up questions in my head, but I was actually listening to what you said. Now, now I like they don't make sense, so I was like stumped for a second. Um, can you talk about how that that changed your confidence in yourself as a fighter? And like, because we talked about it a little bit off air, and you made it not off air, like in the gym actually. And you made it seem like you were like, that was it for you. You're going to quit. And it really brought you to like, because you went overseas and you served and then you came back and you're thinking about not fighting. Can you, can you talk about the, like how it changed your mindset too? Like, obviously the fight, you know, like it's not good and you can find a fight I'm sure online, but um, I would like to hear like how it changed you mentally. Yeah. Um, so I'm just <laughs> like you were talking about earlier. I'm just one of those weird people that I just love to fight. Um, for whatever reason, it's, it's just something that I genuinely, I love. I, I just, I love, I can't explain it. I love it. And that whole experience, I, I, at that point, I can honestly say for a very long time, I hated the sport. I despised everybody that had anything to do with it. And it just became this weird political. It wasn't, <laughs> and MMA has never really been like clean, but in my mind, it was now so dirty because of all of this. I'm like, now this, this is totally polluting the waters. And I'm sure like, not to get too political, but like similar to like the females that then now have to compete with this transgender person. It's like, well, what are you even doing to our sport? Like, this is something that like we love and you're making it weird now. And I, I don't know. And then like, like I said, it's just for so many reasons it, um, yeah, I was just like, what, why, why am I doing this? Why am I doing any of this? It's just, it felt gross. I wanted nothing to do with it. And I, I was just really disgusted by the sport in general at that time. So I'm going to jump right back to this point in a second. And we're going to talk about like how you feel about women in other sports, but I want to go back to um, when you're, when you're competing like that and it takes that love away from you. Like MMA is like already like a, a very rough, rough sport. And if you don't love the sport, um, it's very difficult to compete. And so much of that love uh, comes from, like confidence in yourself too and like once you lose that it changes a little bit of you as a fighter and i'm not sure like they even have it back now like you seem uh a lot of, like i i watched the wildness of your old fights and i compare it to you now and i know like life changes you too but like i see a different mentality when you're fighting and do you think that changed you or do you think that life has changed you like this is a, a question that's like outside the interview like me personally asking you as a coach um, if like the, my, my mind and the fighting has changed. Yeah. Because of the, like, like your confidence in yourself, like you look like 
uh, in your old fights that you're like, man, like, I don't care if I get hurt, stopped, or anything. Now you're like, ah, maybe yeah. I'll, I'll take a backseat to this one. I don't know. Like, you're just like, it's different. I can see the difference in you. Like, I, I'm having difficulty expressing it in words, but I can see, I can see the difference. And like, I can see that in a, a fighter that's like not had a loss where you've been dominated to like that. And wondering, like, is that what did it? Or like, the next fight after that, or a couple of losses in a row. Like, there could be a lot of things. Like, I'm just wondering the impact this one particular fight had on you. I would say um, probably two fights have, and it's it's something that I'm definitely, um, you know, I've, I'll just have to work through it with training um, with you, and you know, it's just gonna have to be something that I. But when I first got in there, I was very. It was just this wild, like it was almost like a street fight, like, and it was a street fight for me because I had no training. I was just getting in there, and I was like, yeah, like, and like I would like tell myself like my kids are on the other side of the cage, and I've got to get through you to get to my kids, and like I didn't like I would like black out in fights, and like. I wouldn't, and I would just be at the end and I'm like, okay, like we're done. <laughs> but the Fallon fight, it's, that was the first time I was ever scared because it was the first time where I was ever like, I, like, like I said, I passed out for, I don't know if I passed out from pain or what, because she had me in an arm bar, but like I, I, when I woke up, I ser I thought my arm was broken and I was just, I don't know. I was just in my mind, like something catastrophic had happened. That fight jacked me up for a very long time. And then one that got stacked on top of that was, um, I was fighting a woman, Amanda Benjamin. And for all intents and purposes, I should have beat this woman. And I got cocky and I got sloppy. And I really, I wasn't, you know, I was, I was not training with people like you. Let's just put it that way. And I kept dropping my left hand. I just kept these crazy overhand rights. And it was, I think it was like, shortly just under like a minute in the first round she connected with one and and already in training i knew something was messed up with my eye but i sorry my sleep thing's coming on my phone so already i knew something was jacked up with my eye but i i went into the fight didn't say anything the first one she hit and i was like okay something's not right there the second one she comes straight down the <laughs> and it it blew out my orbital it like um sh it shattered my nose and so like instantly like my face broke and it was like the worst pain ever and i i fell back into the cage you could see it i was i was instantly done then so that whole thing like i went back behind the um you know, I went backstage and um, what I didn't know was that you're not supposed to like blow your nose. And so I blew <laughs> my nose. Yeah. Right. Every, when I tell that to people that actually know, as soon as I say that, they're like, yeah, you're a knucklehead. <laughs> <laughs> and it instantly blew up. And then like, I kept swallowing blood. So I'm like, okay, this is like, this is serious, but they had only one set of medical staff there. So I didn't want to mess over the promotion because they still had a couple more fights. And if the medical staff took me to the hospital, they would have had to stop the event. So I was like, I'm good. Y'all just, go out there i'll sit here until they're done but i knew i was lying and i was like okay as soon as they leave as soon as they go back out there to watch the fights i've got to go to the er so then and like i'm in like a different city i'm in a part of kentucky that i'm not familiar with and i'm by myself because i that was something also that i was doing was i was going to all my fights by myself and i was like finding a corner there <laughs> so doing everything wrong <laughs> and so i went there and i um uh, i got in my car and then i started trying trying to drive to an er and i'm 
I'm like getting lost. I'm like in the middle of the night in, in Ohio. And I'm like, I don't know where to go. And then I finally, um, I have to pull over in the middle of the highway, in the middle of the road. And I have to open my car door cause I have to vomit up all the blood that I keep swallowing. Cause it's like, <laughs> it's, I didn't know you're like not allowed to swallow that much blood. I just, a lot of ignorant things. And so I finally get to an ER. So basically long story short, that is like super traumatized me. And then the next fight, as I'm walking to the cage, like, uh, it's the first time that any of my kids are with me and I have my oldest son and I walk out and as I'm walking to the cage, I connect eyes with him. Like, yeah, I like lock eyes with him. And like this, I had a, I had a full blown panic attack walking to the cage. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like what if this happens and I'm with my son and now I'm, I'm in another city. I'm like in Louisiana and I'm living in Alabama. What am I going to do if I leave my son? And like, <laughs> I don't know, like all the, I start panicking and I get to the cage. I don't remember the fight at all, but I remember at the end of it, her name was Candace miracle. And I feel so bad because like I kissed her at, after the fight and it was just so weird. I, I don't even know. So there's still a lot of that that I'm trying to like, okay, like you need to get over that. So there's it, those two things probably, um really made me more timid than i ever was when i first started fighting so that was a super long drawn out way of answering your question <laughs> so, uh, I, got, I, I really want to get back to pound box but i i got a, uh, another follow-up question um so did you when you fought and you had the nail polish issue at um king of the cage was that the next fight after that or what no that was um Oh yeah. After Candace, then I think that was, that might have been my, my next fight after that was when I fought up here with y'all. So if you, if you've never fought before, like you go out and you're like, you get ready to go in a cage and whatever you do to mentally get ready. Like you've already done it by the time you walk up to the, the check-in and then <laughs> the referee looks at the referee that's not in a cage, looks at you, make sure you're not oiled up and you know, like your nails aren't too long to scratch out someone's eyeballs. Not that they really do that anyways, but they check it and then you see the guys are all scratched up anyway. So they don't do a very good job checking up most of the time. But they looked at your fingernails and they saw your nail polish on. And the lady's mm -hmm. like, nope, take it off. So like you had to like remove your nail polish. And I know because I was fighting like next or two fights after you. And man, I was like, man, what's taking so long? Why is this fight? And they're like, ah, oh, Jane's got to take her nail polish off. And like, like the whole time I'm waiting in the back, waiting to warm up. And like that took forever. I can't imagine. How, uh, how that affected you mentally getting ready to go into the cage, especially after the story you just told me. And uh, like, I'm not making excuses for you like or anything like that, but I want people to to know like, like one thing in your career can change. Like we listen to all these stories and they're all one after another, after another, after another, like just a decline from one event in your life, you know? And uh, like, I, I, I want the, the decline to become an incline, but I want to realize like, how damaging this was like this is just the, like setting the piece of the story one after another after another after another one of these things like one thing in fighting can change your whole career and that that one thing could have been fatal fox and uh like i want you to get over that and i want you want to get you a win and i think the fight that we talked about is a perfect fight for you come back to and win and uh we'll get you your next stuff taken care of and then we'll uh We'll worry about that all right I, I really want to uh to to hook this up this is something i, I really want to do as a coach and i wish i would have done it i wish i would have been more open to talking with you and working with you like we always work but i didn't really take the time i needed to 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 make it great and i want you to uh go back and get that win that you need like to win your your fight that we talked about earlier right off the jump in the podcast 
Yeah. And I've, I've, this is the first time and I've talked to you and Amanda about it. It's the first time that I've, and not to say anything about any gym that I've ever been a part of before. Um, they're all great and they're all, but this is the first time I've actually felt like I was a part of like an actual fight family. So, um, you know, what, what I'm not going to rush anything on my end. Um, and whenever it happens, I know, I know that I'm going to be fully prepared because if you tell me to go, you give me the green light. That means that I'm ready. So, yeah. Yeah, and we'll make sure we have a comparable opponent. I can get you another twenty-one-year-old girl that's like savage off the chain. We're gonna get you another person equal, like. Uh, and I know some promoters, so I'm pretty sure we can make it happen. Um, All right. Yeah. Uh, the next thing, oh, I want to jump back to the Phelan Fox thing. So, uh, it's my understanding that she filed like HIPAA stuff with the state of California, and the state of California told the promoters that they don't have to. Um, that she doesn't have to tell the promoter anything that she's protected. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's that's what I heard, and that's why they didn't have to disclose that she was a man. Do you know if that's true or not? That was my understanding of how that happened. Cause I and and like I said that with that promoter that I was like, well, you knew. No, he he didn't know because they were allowed to hide it from him. Yeah, and like I don't know if that's how it is now, but man, if that's how it is, that's crazy. Like. It shouldn't be like that for fight sport. A man should, I guess, unless you're rush, unless you're in Russia or you sign up for it. Like, I, I guess, if you want to fight a man, you should be allowed to fight a man. I think. Yeah. Well, and that's my th that, and that was always my thing. It was like th that's the trade-off, man. I, I hate to say it to you, but it's it's not going to be the way that you want it. But if you want to get into this game, you have to give all the details up front, and you have to give your opponent the right to choose. If they say yes cool fine let it fly that's cool but you can't you can't hide that kind of information because like you were saying like this is a very serious sport like people legitimately get killed in it and i have no doubt that if that ref wouldn't have would have stopped it like she she would have snapped my arm and like i said tamika she cracked her skull like and she was probably still holding back at that point if she would have gone full force like who knows yeah so. like the, the damage that's possible to happen like even like when two men fight you, but Michael Venom Page like caved in that guy's skull with a flying knee. Now imagine that's like uh, Fallon Fox on you. Like, no, I don't want to imagine that, but like that could have been you. Like your skull could be you be dead. Like this is yeah. a very real thing. Um, mm -hmm. And to like flash this back, like now now you have uh, the same thing happening in swimming. You see like a swimmer come in and she wins, like she sets world records over and over again. Um, and you see it in like every sport now, powerlifting. Like, how how's it even fair in powerlifting? Like, they're just crushing world records. Um, yeah. What do you think about it? And what would you say? And what do you, what do you think is fair? I think you should compete in the sport that you were born into. Um, and I'm sorry, but you you don't get to have it it all the ways. You don't get to have all the pieces of the pie. Um, if you want to compete in a sport, if you're going to tell me that you just really love swimming that badly and then you just like also are transgender. No, it's and you and you used to swim as a male and you sucked as as a male when you swam. You wanted to win and you juke the stats and you knew that that was the only way that you could win. And this and we're going to say this because it is the absolute truth. And we've said it already. Like there is a very real difference between male and female bodies. It just is what it is. And I don't think there are certain things that we should we can compete in. Um you know, like a mutual combat kind of a thing. But when it comes to certain sports, no, absolutely not. They, they should, it, it should be, it should always come down to the gender uh, that you were assigned at birth. 
And that's another thing, (laughs) being able to change your birth certificate. Like it's, (laughs) if you don't, if you don't, I don't know, now I'm kind of derailing, but no, 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 no. I, I absolutely, I strongly believe that males that were born into a male body at birth should compete with males. And if you want to change your gender, then okay, that's fine. But you can't compete in that sport that it just is what it is. So do you think it's more fair to make a, a separate league for those athletes? Or do you think it's more fair to have them compete uh, against, like, say, you're a, a male transition to female, but then you compete with males? Like, man, I don't think anyone's going to really, there's not going to be a lot of money for, like, a transgender leagues most of the time. And then there's really not that many competitors, I would think. I mean, no. there's, there's got to be an answer that works for everybody. Like, the root of getting to solving a problem is to come up with a solution, right? So, like, just arguing on both sides doesn't really get much done. So, um, like, finding a solution is the right way to do it. Like, Josh Ketry is, like, the perfect guy to, like, say that. He's always, like, find a solution, you know? Like, sit down and talk like regular civilized people, and you can find an answer. But, um... Well, and I, I think that that kind of tells you what the motives are, because I'm I'm OK with um, an all transgender league like that's whether or not it gets the attention, it gets attraction. That's not the point. You now have this place where you can compete Pete, and it's awesome. But I guarantee you're not going to get a lot of you're not going to get a lot of transgender athletes that want to participate in that because they don't want it to be level. They don't want the playing field to be level. There's a reason that they go after these sports. Um, so I just, I don't think they'll want to participate, but I say, I say, and I say, maybe that's how we test it. Okay. Fire it up. Let's do it. Let's, let's make the transgender league. We'll do it. We'll, we'll support it. Um, might, I mean, it might like be, be like the WNBA. You're not going to get a lot of people buying your, your tickets, but it's there for you. If you want to compete, if you just purely love the sport and you want to do it right, then we'll, we'll make a space for you, but will they do it? I don't think they will. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Ray's gonna uh, compete in uh, uh, female figure skating. Hey, <laughs> crazy game, man! I want to know what song he's gonna choose. <laughs> yeah, what song would you? What song would you skate to, Ray? Uh, Britney Spears. Um, I did it again, or whatever the name of the song. Oops, <laughs> I can see you skating to that song. Did you know Ray is multi-talented? Ray uh, made a bikini for Bikini Girl before. Wait, what? I didn't know. Okay, man, I'll say that. <laughs> You're going to get him in trouble? No. So we had this girl on, and uh, I don't know, maybe episode 13 or 14 or 16. Yeah, it was a while back. Yeah, we're like at almost 200 now. And Ray... Uh, <laughs> Ray and Sequan Leotard, there is the best. Uh, anyways, Ray promised her that he was going to, she does the bikini competitions, and Ray promised her he was going to make her a bikini. And uh, every podcast since, I've been getting on her shit to have him make her a bikini. Because I found out how expensive the bikinis are that they compete in. And I was like, man, I would never pay that for any kind of clothes with anything on it. And uh, Ray's like, I can make one way cheaper than that. So I've been waiting. And I think oh, we, we can market I'll this caveman Bikini competition. <laughs> I want to so say it. Back, back to the serious talk. I'm sorry for that segue there, everybody. Um, uh, no one told you off the rails. That's why it's a podcast, right? And not like a new show. Um, 
man, it's, it's, it's such a hard thing to decide what to do with those people. Not those people. I don't mean to, to like, sound terrible. I'm like, those people. But, um, like, it's, it's attention-seeking behavior, you know? Like, and uh, it becomes a real issue for women's rights, too. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to tread on feminists. Like, I want to do a feminist podcast for a while and get some feminists together and, like, have a real woman's, woman's thing and... Like, I don't really want to do too much with it, but, like, I thought that would be a, a cool podcast to have once and just have a bunch of women tell me how shitty I am. And, uh, hey, Caveman. Huh? How can you have a guy that wins Woman of the Year? Yeah, too. So, like, I'm going to steal Joe Rogan's joke or whoever joke it was that he stole in the first place, but, man, we only need to be a woman for six months and we can win Woman of the Year. I'm just saying, yeah. guys are better. Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, and it's it's kind of funny to me to watch these women that like champion like these natural women that champion it when I don't think they really believe it. I think that they just regurgitate the what they think they should say in this day and age, but they don't really believe it. But it's like so you're basically letting a man win once again, technically, like they get to take all your shine. They get to be a better woman than you in every sense of the term, win all your medals. Like, like it, it's just, it's comical to me if you look at it like that way, but yeah, no, um, no women are women. Um, women give birth and I'm, I'm on that train 100%. So. <laughs> uh, I am also pregnant, so I believe I can give birth as well. <laughs> and I learned that my doll works for men. And you know what? I will just tell you that's it's awesome for a hangover for anybody. So I uh, I learned that. Uh, so we had an injury today in practice, and uh, we gave Mydel for the recovery of the injury, and it worked out pretty good, I think. Uh, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Ray's like, what the hell is Mydel? I'm telling you, after uh, as a recovered alcoholic, um, take some Midol before you go to sleep after a heavy night of drinking, and drink a big glass of water. You'll wake up feeling like a million bucks. <laughs> I heard um, growing up, I heard uh, tomato, um, that tomato juice. That too. Oh, just throw man. throw a little bit of vodka in there, and you're good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that that makes everything feel better, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> sure why anyone would want a wiener. <laughs> so you can play helicopter, dog. Not sure why anyone would want a wiener. So you could do a helicopter. I learned about helicopter. I just learned about it the other day. Um, so I was watching a comedy and like they, they were like, uh, why would you want to be a, a man? So you could have a helicopter. And I didn't know what that meant. And then I looked it up and I was sorry. I did. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Like I gotta try it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a little embarrassed. I didn't know what that was. I I didn't know that people did that. Like I didn't know. I was very shocked at the size of the helicopter I saw as well. It was a poor choice of search history. I deleted that one, but it's definitely my permanent record. Oh yeah, it's logged in there. <laughs> oh, that was embarrassing. Um, <laughs> Did you suffer any, um, so now if you speak out against, um, <laughs> Ray, you're not telling us something. <laughs> so there's a lot of social pressure now if people come out and they speak against uh, transgender rights. Um, you were kind of, you dealt with the Fallon Fox thing when this wasn't really going on. Have you ever had any blowback about this or are you worried about, um, 
people trying to cancel you? I mean, you do have kind of a prominent job. Um, I'm, I'm not worried. Um, just because, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm not worried. Whatever happens to me happens to me. And I'm not going to go along with something that I don't believe in wholeheartedly because uh, full disclosure, I believe that there's going to be a judgment for all of us at the end of this life. And I would much rather make people on in this life pissed off at me than to piss off uh, my heavenly father. So, um, truth is truth. So <laughs> it is what it is. So. Well, on that one, I'm coming back to that later. Okay. I, I have like a whole. I want. I want to talk about that part later. So we can. We before you jump into that segment, let's uh, let's let's dial it back and let's uh, talk about the social pressure. Then I'll okay. save that to, to finish on because I think that's a good finish. And then we can. Uh, you can tag Kung Lee in a minute, and then uh, he'll be happy with this last part too. <laughs> I I will say though that I think that a lot of people are going to start speaking their mind. I think we've kind of been under this. Uh, kind of like this cloud or this veil of whatever you want to call it, this hypnosis where everybody's just kind of followed what they think they need to say. And they don't really feel that way. It's like, you, you know, you don't feel like, you know, you don't believe that a 15 year old girl should have her tits cut off and you don't, you don't believe this stuff, but you say it because you think it makes you look good on social media. And I think we're getting fed up with that. You can really feel this like, okay, the, the tide, it feels like it's like, it's at least going to come to a point of contention where it's like, we're, we're not going to go along with it anymore. And we're going to tell you like, this is how we feel. So, um, you know, we'll let, let the chips fall where they may. But uh, I think I think you're going to start hearing a lot more of people, at least for the children, looking out for them, because I just think that they've been like the victim in all of this, um, in this crazy argument that like us adults are having. They're the ones that are suffering. So, um, yeah. I, and and I, full disclosure, when all of this was going on, Joe Rogan and I actually sent a couple emails back and forth. And he was like, just like the best, most supportive, like, yeah, that was so fucked up, blah, 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 blah. Like he was just, he was awesome. So he's, he's always spoken with a consistent voice on this topic. And I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I always thought that like, you have to like Joe Rogan now because of yeah. like, all the stuff we talked about. I, I've always like, I tweet at him every now and then. Um, like your story, uh, like I just like I'll ask you about you know like I, I like I said GI Jane fought Fallon Fox like every now and then when I talk about Fallon Fox I was like trying to tweet like not like he's ever gonna see it because he doesn't even look but um I was uh, I'm glad that he reached out to you too because he's a huge proponent for this and uh, every time he talks about it I um I uh I think about it yeah I think about you so like it's 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 hard to have you far from my mind because uh like I, I think about it a lot like that sounds like kind of like weird i didn't mean it like that like you're you're not in my mind every day like i'm not thinking about it every day but every time i hear that topic like i, I think about you like that, that i didn't mean it like that i don't want you to be all weird either. um but like i i think about your story all the time every time i hear him talk about that i was like man that's so fucked up and like uh so it has a general impact on me like when i, I hear all these stories like every time like it reminds me of you and i like think about like you, uh, so what flashes in my hand is michael venom page like flying near you in the face I'm like, oh my God, like that's, that's what could have happened. Like it, it could be that. And uh, yeah. man, it's, it's terrible. And um, yeah, you're definitely should be worried for your kid's age group um, because kids are feeling a lot of social pressures. They don't know any better. Like kids are really fatty and it's really trending topic on, uh, on uh, like social media. And like, I'm a conspiracy theory guy. And I think it's uh, like people trying to destroy our country from the outside to the inside or people inside our country trying to destroy our country. But like, that's a conspiracy theory for another day. We'll try and keep this uh, regular and on board and not totally get off the rails. But uh, <laughs> I would like to do conspiracy theory on that someday. And uh, 
we'll see. Forced uh so for I do conspiracy theory podcasts too, but I have to convince Forrest of the conspiracy theory, and so far I have not convinced him on one thing. So uh, he's a pretty smart kid. You should uh, go back and listen to them. those are good ones. Um, Check them out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and now we can finally get into it. Uh, you recently found God, and uh, mm -hmm. first you found a water fast, and then you found God. Uh, did they relate to each other, or is this like two separate things? No, they actually did. Um, so I entered into the water fast and, you know, full disclosure, I was raised in the church. I was like baptized at the age of 11. And then I immediately went out into the world and got like pregnant at 14, yada, 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 just super dark. Um, I, uh, you, I'm glad y'all are enjoying it. <laughs> um, and, you know, got like super into the new age and all, all the stuff and like made myself my own God and like all roads lead to heaven. There is no hell and all that stuff. So um, er, it was actually earlier this year. So um, I had started a water fast and oddly enough, it ties into Amanda because I was on the sixth day of the water fast. And as I was driving towards the fight, it was like, you know, two and a half, a little over two and a half hours away. For whatever reason, I really wanted to like listen to Christian music. And I did. And I was listening to a song that like my grandma used to love. And it was talking about the crown of thorns. And when I heard the crown of thorns, it like it struck me in a way that I've never been struck before. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And I immediately wanted to like continue to listen to listen to Christian music. And I was like, I don't know what this is because I'm very much like, I'm like Cardi B. I'm like, I don't F with you. Like all that. Like I'm listening to all the songs and like, it's, you know, I just, I like hard music and I just, for whatever reason, I just only wanted to listen to Christian music. Then for whatever reason, I really wanted to watch the passion of the Christ, which was really unlike me. And I, could not turn away. Like something in me kept being like, you have to watch this. Like he suffered for you. So the least you can do is watch this. And this isn't even him actually suffering. You've got to watch it. And I felt really compelled and I was glued to it. Like, and I was sobbing at the end of it. And then I continued to watch it. And I, like, I'm, I think it was like day 10 or 11 of my fast somewhere in there. I'm watching it. It's like the third time that I'm watched it at this point, still on the same water fast. And for whatever reason, it was like towards the end um, of the movie, they're showing one final scene of um, the the last supper. And when he says, um, you know, um, the character that's playing Jesus, he says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. When he said that, I'm not trying to say that this was God. Cause I think sometimes people speak out of turn when they're like, God did this to me. I'm just saying I had a supernatural experience and it felt like a shot to my heart and immediately. And it was like, I know this is the truth. And, and like I said, I'm not trying to put this on anybody. I'm speaking for, this is just my personal experience, Sharon. And, and from that moment, like I, I, I cannot tell you caveman, like I mean this <laughs> with everything that I can tell you. It was, the most instantaneous change ever. And like, I immediately got soured to things that I really liked. Like, like I was very sinful. Like I was like smoking and doing what I wanted. And I was um, in still in that relationship um, at the time that had like, you know, abuse and all that stuff. Like I was in all this stuff and I was doing things outside of marriage that I shouldn't have been doing at the time. And I was doing just like a lot of things that I, I had gotten so used. It was like that frog boiling thing. Like my boiling point to sin was so high that I no longer felt what was really sinful. I couldn't really identify it, but instantly it was like all of that peeled back and I was like, Phew, and everything felt instantly like, no, it's dark, man. You got it. You got to stop. And, um, and I don't, I, I can't explain it, but ever since then it's, it was like, I got to day 18 of that water fast 
and um i was i was like transformed in that one water fast and since then like i literally every single morning god's like the first thing on my mind before i go to sleep god's the last thing that i think of i pray every single morning i read my bible for probably hours every single day like i can't get enough i don't know what i'm being prepared for but i know that like god has to be a huge part of whatever and i've honestly i've i took a lot of time out of the gym because i felt like i needed to like really devote a lot of time to like figuring out whatever's going on with me. And it's like, and so at first I wanted to like, that's where I got rid of my last Facebook page. Cause I was like, it was very much like a me centered thing. And it felt wrong at that point. Like I don't, whatever I do, whether, whether it's MMA or whatever it is, like I have to give glory to God at the end of the day. And I think now I'm at a point where it's like, now I'm comfortable getting back in the world and I'm comfortable. If I do step in the cage, I know that I can do it in a way that doesn't have to feel bad. And I think at first I was like instantly scared by everything. I was like, I can't do MMA. Cause like, you've got to be like angry and no, you don't, you can absolutely step in the cage and be like, Hey, let's go. Let's get it. Let's like, you know, let's see who's the best. Like, you know, there that you can still lovingly fight you know it's, it's going to look different for me but so yeah again another long drawn out way of saying my life was completely changed and that water fast i wasn't doing it for spiritual reasons i was like i want to clear out my brain because i'm getting ready to dive into school and you know i want to clear my chakras and like very new agey and that was my original intent and i i feel like god had other plans and <laughs> i was just completely changed so you want new wave and you came back old school yeah, one hundred percent. Hey, caveman, we gotta have Kung Lee on here. Yeah, we we should send him this part. Send him this part yeah. of the podcast at, at like an hour. Send it from one. Tell him to watch one hour in. He'll like this. Uh, we had Kung Lee. He fought in UFC. Uh, uh, he actually fought for the title against Bisping. Was that title, was that a title fight against Bisping? I'm uh, not sure. I don't. But, he was uh, a title he, contender at least for UFC. Yeah, uh, strike force. Like, he fought yeah, then. Yeah. So he's like this huge guy and he found God and we had this huge long podcast. And then uh, it made me have another, uh, actually I had another podcast with another Christian guy first. And then I had a Muslim, uh, a Muslim podcast with uh, Mustafa McBride. And uh, like, we've been really trying to hit the religious from a little bit too. So like every one of your stories kind of falls in line with uh, what we had going on. And like, there's just like a lot of signs today that we should have you on. So I, I thought it was a really good thing. I believe in signs and, and I, I have a weird belief in God, but I believe in God too. And hey, um, hey, caveman. Yes. Conley texted me today uh, and asked me if I'm gonna read you the Bible tonight. That's funny. He, he texts uh, me every now and then. Are you reading the Bible? Yeah, that's good. We just talked to him. Uh, Ed Rogers says you have to write a book. You should <laughs> definitely write a book. You should have like a. Do you still do your podcast? <laughs> You should go back and do your podcast. It's just going to be like, here's a huge chunk of my life where just don't do anything that I did <laughs> during these years of my life. Oh, I sun in the stars. Night, everyone. Love you, G.I. Jane. Love it's you, Amanda. Good. Yeah. She's weak. She got sleep. She can't train 27 <laughs> hours a day on one hour of sleep like the rest yeah. of us. Oh, that's a one hard work, working woman right there. <laughs> For sure. Thank you for helping with her. She uh she she made one of her goals happen too because of you. Like I appreciate that. We had uh, a lot of drawn out talks. You know, you better cut it out. You better stop pushing so hard. And, uh, 
you you let me be the good cop and i appreciate that <laughs> yeah we a good cop get yeah, bad cop and i'm always gonna be the bad cop i don't want to be the good cop good good cop sucks even dr kroll's awake for this one hey. I still up, dr kroll so me and dr kroll um we always talk about the difference between men and women and he's got so many examples for this like talks about like high school soccer team beating an olympic soccer team like boys right women like there's there's so many differences and uh dr kroll's a huge believer in this i'm not sure how much he really wants to talk about it or uh like be put on talk for it since he's a, like has a professional doctor's license as well so like i don't want to drag him into it too much but i'm sure he's very fascinated by by your story and uh like he was there for you so he understands like he was in the corner too and hopefully we have him in your corner too uh when you find finally fight so we have a good pt there because you're a little older no offense and you could uh could definitely use some okay. pt work when uh when we get in there and we do it and especially with some of your other um some of your other health concerns we can uh definitely give a dr crone we can work around it too so we can get you back in the cage for sure right. um I, I kind of really asked you that that question about fasting and the water fast and God because um, I feel like in the old days people were very spiritual and a lot of that had to do with fasting and I think you can really find yourself and like your real true self when uh, like I really think a lot of our food is just poison too. So oh, like, absolutely. Not only are you like poisoning your mind. Yeah, and we it's like hey, this. Look, 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 I got your sponsor. Stop. I want to hug. I want to hug, Ed. <laughs> I, would, I would give you a hug for sure. Um, oh man, I lost my train of thought. Uh, what, was, what was I just saying? About the, I, I will just say that I do think that you're right about that with the food. Oh, um, yeah, about food and uh, yeah. So like we we poison our minds with like the internet, like and we're we're seeing a lot of stuff that we're not really meant to see. We we interact with more people than we ever should, and mm -hmm. and we poison our bodies, and all these things are going at once and. Like you do a lot of fast. So not only do you fast your body, you, you fast your mind from social media. And like, I always think it's kind of flaky because you like disappear for a while and then you always come back. But uh, like, it's, it's hard to like, there's consumers of social media and there's people that use social media to make things happen. Like mm -hmm. I was like me and Ray, we can't not have social media. We need to advertise a podcast and like we yeah. use it to create drama actually like, so we're we're always trying to make drama with the seven six five guys because they suck and uh, like all kinds of, all kinds of stuff like that. So, um, but you you get away from everything and like I, I'm sure it brings us some clarity too. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think I don't think that anything is wrong with balance, uh, but I think balance in this day and age is really hard for a lot of people just because not only are we consuming food we're, a you're absolutely right about the quality of the food that typically the standard individual and not even just americans we've kind of like outsourced this love of sugar and refined sugar to the world and now we have like a global obesity and the numbers are rising so yay america um but we you know and it's this con and people are constantly eating they're constantly consuming they're constantly consuming the social media the social media is more dangerous because your feet you have that you're feeding that need for connection but you're not actually connected to people so people get really into this internet world without ever having that like that time in the gym where they're actually having that physical interaction with people i think that really impacts a lot of people and just um 
so for me with the fasting um i see a lot of not only do i see see a lot of like healing benefits and like regenerative you know like um you know uh, you know cleaning up the body and getting ready rid of all the 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 cells that my body doesn't need anymore but like it it does something for me to be able to say no to something that's i like i you know, you, you do need food. You can't go forever without food, but it's just, um, you know, I, I was an obese teenager. And so I did have a very bad relationship with food at one point. So even that, like I needed to check myself because I would go like on these like binges, like constantly, like every single day, like I'm eating, I'm just like consuming and consuming and consuming. And, um, so, yeah, I think that a lot of people would probably benefit greatly for, for, from some form of fasting, even if it was just intermittent fasting, just dial it back a little bit, but it's just, there's no break for anybody. It's just this constant consumption, consumption, and it like numbs them to, to what really matters, honestly, like real life, real connections, real relationships. And then, then you become very isolated and you have nothing but like this body that's been built up with these cells so basically you're taking this gray dead food you're creating gray dead cells that are you know it's causing like mental illness your body is like performing at a lower level and then not only that you tack on the fact that you no longer have like these healthy connections with people and it can create a very very um a scenario that's very difficult for people to break out of so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a super fan of fasting, but more than that, just eating healthy food and taking a break from all of this stuff from a while for whatever, whatever that looks like going to the gym or. So at least listen to us on Spotify, we get rid of social media, like keep listening to our podcast. Cause we're yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> just, you know, do, do it in moderation, but some people literally like they, they wake up and their eyes aren't even fully like opened and adjusted to the light and they're, they're turning on their phone and that's the first light that their eyes connect with in the morning. And if you're doing that, it's probably not the best habit. You should probably try to like open your eyes, get some sunlight in your eyes, give it a little bit of time and then open your phone. Just these little things kind of dial it back a little bit. Uh-huh. I got the feet. My phone doesn't <laughs> oh, open. Me too. I've done it before. I don't have to open my phone. I'm faster. I'll just be like, whoop, it's on. <laughs> Wise guy. <laughs> <laughs> You're so old. You got a flip phone still, probably. Hello. It's got the antenna you pull out. <laughs> the big old AT&T brick phone. <laughs> uh, what were you going to say, Ray? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off on my joke. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to say fasting is good. I like fasting. Yeah, Ray, Ray fast too, and he looks really good when he fasts. And then he stops fasting, he pastelitos, and then he looks all fat again. <laughs> oh, caveman's always got to keeping us humble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't have too. I only got like six abs today. Shucks. I uh, I I must say you you look uh, physically better today when I saw you last time. Uh, um. You were training, you, look, you started to look good again. And then uh, I saw you uh, when you came in for the belt promotion and you looked uh, fit when I saw you. So I was like, I was happy to see that you looked fit, even though I haven't trained a little bit. And I know you're, you had some health stuff going on and you still look fit. So I'm glad that you're eating healthy. And uh, to be honest, every time you disappear for a little bit, I always get a little bit worried about you. Uh, I know this time you found Jesus, which is like good, but it can get bad too because it can go real culty. And, uh, oh, yeah. Like I'm always a little bit worried that you're you're gonna get drawn into culty stuff. So like when you said Jesus, I was like, oh man, this is gonna be either really good or really bad. So I'm glad it didn't go really bad. Yeah. 
<laughs> nope. It, yeah, this one's a totally good one. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't mean that in an insulting way, but like people can get really healthy with religion too. And um, yeah, like it was great. We had uh, Mah uh, Mustafa on, who's Muhammad's father. Muhammad's like a guy that I coached for a long time, and his dad Mustafa came on the podcast and talked about the Muslim faith too. And I think it's important that no matter what your religion is, that you have a faith. And I think it. Um, like you, we're always going to argue, like we're humans, we're going to argue that we think our version is right. But I think, like, I really think to have some, not Kung Lee's going to be mad, shut up the podcast right now. But, um, I think it's really important that we, uh, we all have something that we believe in, whether like other people like it or not. And I think that that belief makes us better humans, as long as we're not like worshiping like goat eaters or like the devil or something. Like, but as long as you have like a like you know a normal kind of established, I mean, what is even really a normal established religion? But as long as you're like following something with moral tenets that that help you grow, I think you're you're doing pretty all right. And even like, I think it's even more impressive to do that and be atheist because like there's nothing that judges you. Like I, I kind of believe that like you're not judged at the end. Like why would God care about us with like little like fucking bugs on a planet that's flying in this great creation that he made? You know, like why is he gonna care about humans? That's what I really feel like. And like I don't think that anyone judges us. And like I still try and do my best because like at the end of the day, like there is something, there is some some reason that we're all here. And uh, like we need to strive to be be good for whatever the reason was that we're here. Yeah. Well, and, and honestly, I will tell you that, um, you know, and I've, I've seen some militant Christians. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, it, I can only speak for my religion. If you say you're a believer in Christ, Jesus, when he returned, when he came to this earth, he said there are really only two command commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength um, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So it's not my judge, my job to judge anybody. I am called to be completely loving to everybody. Whatever you do, that's between you and God. If I get a chance to obviously share Jesus, I'm I'm going to do it whenever I get the chance, um, and I'm not ever going to shy away from it, and I'm always going to claim, you know, profess the truth that I, I truly believe in my heart, but at no point in time should I ever be looking down on somebody and be like, you are wrong for this, or you are doing this. If somebody asks me, is this action sinful, the Bible says this, or the Bible says that. You know, like I said, there there's truth, but at the end of the day, love. We are always to lead with love, so. I love that, and uh, this is why... Like I got on a, I'm sure Ray was ready to strangle me because I got on this religious podcast uh, thing. I had that uh, the minister on, then I had uh, Kung Lee on, and then I had Mustafa on, and I, I was waiting to get you on. Like it's uh like it's an important part of human culture, and uh, I like to uh, I like to explore it. And there's a lot there, and this is another one of those topics that's like. Like you're either on one side or the other, and it brings out a lot of, a lot of hate. But like, it doesn't need to be hateful. I just want to like, there's got to be a way to coexist, and like, people of, of God should should find a way to. I don't know. I don't know how to do that because a lot of, a lot of the texts say that like, uh, this is a religion. This is the way it should be. You know, like it's a, it's a difficult struggle. Yeah. I'm not really. What? I'm not sure if I'm right or wrong. Like, I'm I'm just. I get hit in the head for a living. Like, I'm not really the smartest guy. I'm definitely not the person that should be having theological discussions. But um, I, I love, like, I love to talk to these guys and, and women that really believe in it. Every one of them, I love. there's, like, some kind of, like, crisis that makes them find faith. And then, like, do they stick to the faith? And then I know a lot of people that say they're faithful that are 
shitty people. And uh, like, I don't like that. And then I know people that like Cameron Linehart or that Apoposo guy, but I'm saying his name totally wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize already. Apoposo, I said it wrong again, but I, I apologize. And then we got guys like Ilfree. And then I, I have you, like we have very religious people in our gym too. And like, I want to respect your beliefs. And like, I, I believe too. I just believe a little bit different. Yeah. And like I said, we're, we're, we're not ever supposed to take a self-righteous stance of I'm going to hammer this. No, absolutely not. I love you, brother. And that's, that's where it is. So yeah, I felt signs from God. And the only time I like, I really like felt the hand of uh, Christ. And then Ray, like, hopefully you have a short story to share too. Ray's like, oh, one time I shot this guy and I felt his spirit leave his body. <laughs> but I was in uh, Cameron's church on Christmas or no, it was Easter. And uh, dude, I could just feel like God in the room. I don't know. This is, this is uh, like a very spiritual experience. And uh, Cameron, I, I don't know if you're probably never listening to this, but like, I, I appreciate you having me in your, your ministry. And like, it was an amazing day. I went with my family and like I, I truly felt God that day, and it was uh, it was a cool thing. Yeah, when I go to church, I feel good. Yeah. I, I can't explain it. It's like I, I feel like a feeling. I just feel good. That's that Holy Spirit. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> and then um, right. Lee keep bugging me about getting baptized. So <laughs> now mm -hmm. that we probably lost every viewer in uh, in the area. Uh, uh, is there anybody that you're looking to get help? I know you do a lot of work with charities and, uh, uh, you help out a lot of, uh, veterans and you, you do a lot of good work. Is there, uh, anything you really want to plug, uh, while I got you on here? Uh, Pete, there's been a lot of comments. This is a good podcast. So this one probably gets seen a lot. So if there's anything you want to plug, that was a, that was a good time to do it. Oh, <laughs> I want to plug Integrity Gym. Uh, <laughs> uh, you are now my new favorite student. And that, we're, you're brought to you by Integrity Martial Arts and brought to you by OnlyFans, Just the Cavs. So if you go to OnlyFans, you go to Just the Cavs. That is Jared's Just His Cavs. <laughs> That's outstanding. Yeah, outstanding. All right, now back to serious folks. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I mean, uh, the only thing I can really talk about is a, I'm back in school now, so I'm stepping out of a lot of things that I do, but, um, the community veterans engagement board, if anybody is interested in Western New York and getting involved in the, um, veteran community, um, in any capacity, um, link up with the community veterans engagement board. And that's through the veterans one-stop center of Western New York and Western New York heroes. They both co-chair it. So, um, it's an amazing group. It's a collaborative of a lot of nonprofits and a lot of organizations that really help out not only veterans, but their families and then the communities of Western New York. Cause that's really what it's all about. It's not just the veterans, it's their family members. And then how do they integrate successfully back into the community as a whole? So. Nice. Do, do they have a, um, do they have a location? Uh, <laughs> Jared, wow. Uh, do they have a location uh, by a Napa store? The uh, Veterans One Stop Center or yeah. Western New York Heroes? One of those two. Western New York Heroes, I think, right? With the I think so. Or something? I think, I yeah, think they right have in, like a. Yeah, they're right in the building that I work in. Oh, stop. Yeah, yeah they've I'm got an, an amazing facility for their dogs. Like, it's yeah. awesome. Mm hmm. Uh, so our secretary like walks the dogs in the morning there. 
That's so awesome. Comes in early to walk the dogs. That's so awesome. I, that, I thought that was a cool shout out too. Like that's so crazy how small the world is. Also, uh, this is not for all of you fans, but this is for all the integrity members. On uh, August 19th, since a lot of you are watching, I can see how many people are watching. Uh, on August 19th, we're doing our picnic right here. Invited to, even though you don't come, you pay membership so you can come to. Uh, like you don't need to actually come to the gym as long as you pay me. You're allowed to come to the gym. Uh, we're gonna do uh, a picnic on the 19th. I'm not gonna disclose the location on the podcast, so uh, like you guys can just reach out to me and I'll tell you it's in the chat group and stuff too. But um, we're gonna get a picnic. We're all gonna get together and hang out, and it's gonna be a family affair. So like uh, if anyone uh, gets out of control or does any substances and gets a little bit wild, we're gonna put you. Mick's gonna put you in his trunk and you're gonna disappear. So Mick, Mick is the guy that takes care of the bodies at the gym. And um, like you don't want to disappear, so uh, keep yourself under control. We should have all the kids, and like I'm trying to make it be a good thing. I'm bringing hot dogs, hamburgers, and just gonna come out and try and have a good time. Butch, Butch got the spot for us, so uh, I really want to give back to the members and appreciate all you guys. And I'm gonna post this in all our, our groups. So if you watch all the way till now, thank you very much for watching here. Uh, our members are amazing, and uh, GI Jane is one of our members, so I want you guys to like understand and know her i had butch on i had gi jane on we had Derek on um i appreciate all you guys there's a lot of great stories in our gym and like we're a family we should know each other and uh thank you so much for coming on i appreciate it. i know it was like a last minute thing you're like you're in another podcast you're like hey i'm like hey why don't you come on the podcast right now yeah well thank y'all for having me and inviting me on and again ray i'm i'm sorry that you got drugged back on here for this and that you both stayed up so late for this uh it is definitely worth it thank you so much uh we appreciate you and thank you for your journey i'm sorry that you experienced failing box and uh the next time we're in the cage i promise you we're gonna get that w for you uh, absolutely that that's my gold standard we're gonna get you a w and um doesn't matter who it is, we're gonna we're gonna get that win, and we're we're it's gonna be a comparable opponent that that's a fair fight, and you're gonna smash this girl or guy yeah, to fight. But if it's a guy this time, you're gonna know. Yeah, nope. I just I'll, I'll say no up front right now. We'll just. I think you could be anyone from the seven six five team. I'm just no. I'm just I'm, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I mean, I saw them starting stuff in the back of the room at the last fight, so I know there's at least a couple on there that I got a good, a good chance against. So. Yeah, you definitely take Jacob out. The guy that was gonna slap Ray, we'll, we'll send, we'll send you in for a Ray's light work. Yeah. <laughs> I got That's you. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Thank you so All much. Right. Man. Have a great Thanks. night. Thank you, Thank you gentlemen. You too. Country. Thank you, y'all. Good night. Judging Ray. Yeah. Told you. That was a good one, K okay, man. Yeah, yeah. I know I miss I miss I miss half half of it, but you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> all the good ones you miss out on. That's all right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She was, a, she was a mil military drill sergeant, but she wasn't a cop, so you were here for her. I'm glad. Uh, I had I had to let the dogs out, and I ate a sub, and then I came back. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, K man's corner. We've been on the air for like six straight hours. And uh, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for everyone that's still watching. Uh, but we're really out of here for now. Good night, guys. Bye. Bye. Peace.